On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. The conversation that's going on right now is the fact that our relationship with work is broken and we need to do something about it. Many of us started thinking about the concept of work when the pandemic started. Today, hear from a professional who has thought about it for decades. Manufacturing 4.0 is the topic for an upcoming Northeast Iowa conference. And in our business profile, we'll talk with a central Iowa business helping small businesses across the country keep more of their income. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of September 2021. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. When we talked with Dr. Jeff Kaplan of Lyft Innovate last year on this program, his company was being recognized for growth worldwide, and all his workers do their jobs remotely. They recently made the Inc. Magazine list of fastest-growing companies again, and now, post-pandemic, even more of us are focusing on what the concept of work really means. That's the concept Jeff Kaplan has been talking about for decades, so we thought it was time for an updated conversation with him. Lift Innovate is really the realization of a dream uh, that I'm working on for about 30 years. I started the company uh, with two other gentlemen who had spent their life in technology like I had. But we dreamed of a company that was a flat organization, that was a virtual organization. People could work anywhere uh, so that people could really just have the opportunity to have a, really a, a work-life balance, that it didn't have to always be a choice between going to work and doing what you needed and wanted to do for your family. But instead, you could bring those two things together because uh, all three of the founders and I were really just love the work. And this was a great opportunity to sort of create that integrated lifestyle that we always wanted to create. And in doing so, we've actually had a chance to be uh, pretty successful in the industry. Now, when you and I talked something like nine months ago, this concept of work from home was still brand new, but it certainly wasn't new to you folks, because as you noted, everyone is working remotely. You don't have an office per se. The entire company is uh, working remotely, and we actually help organizations learn how to work in new environments. So the fact that that was our primary focus really played well, you know, with uh, the issues that were presented by the pandemic, right? All of a sudden, the world needed to start thinking about different ways of working, which is uh, basically the focus of our company since day one. And so that was a a lot of the reason that uh, we um, enjoyed some tremendous growth during an otherwise, you know, difficult time for the entire world. We have all understood now, regardless of what our jobs are, that things that we thought we could never do, We could never work remotely. We could not trust employees to work remotely. A variety of things where we artificially said pre-pandemic it can't possibly happen. When forced, we pivoted, we changed, and we found it actually, in many cases, could be more beneficial. Tell me, based upon your past experience and this last year and a half, two years that we've all gone through, what is wrong with the way we have thought about work in the past? 
Well, I have to tell you, you know, you sort of hit the nail on the head as far as the core belief of everyone in our organization. And that is that our relationship with work is broken. Um, you know, we see it, uh, we see it all over the place, whether it's boardrooms or break rooms, there's this undercurrent of angst and anxiety. Uh, and people just know that the way it is now doesn't work, right? To go to uh, this place we call work for 2080 hours a year for ostensibly for 40 years of your life, a third of your waking life. And to pay the price that we do, not only in having to get in traffic and navigate that, but to surrender the opportunity to maybe go to our kids' games or to, to do other things that are really important to us. It just didn't seem like a really good trade-off. And that's because the models that we built our organizations on are based on things that were applicable and appropriate 50 or 100 years ago, but aren't today. We have technology that works. We have a way we communicate. I feel like I know you and we've never met in person. And I will tell you at the start of the pandemic, as we were talking to business executives that were facing the remote question, we heard them say, this simply is not going to work. I mean, uh, they can tell us all they want that this is going to happen, but we know it's not going to work because I need to see the people at the desk and I need to watch them doing the work. And we know absolutely that's not the case. As a matter of fact, all the research studies support the fact that productivity actually went up amongst remote workers, as did their satisfaction uh, with their job and their career. There's the old concept that you hire good people, trust them to do their jobs, leave them alone, you're there as a resource. Those we tend to think of as the successful operations, the successful managers, those who are just hovering over a worker's shoulder, that creates that unnecessary angst, doesn't it? The hesitance to have them work remotely, the suggestion being, well, they'll goof off. Well, if you don't trust them to do the work, maybe you should not have hired them. Maybe they're misplaced. Well, that's absolutely true. And and you've described, you know, sort of the ideal. The reality is it gets a little bit more complicated, right? We not only have this need that we feel like we have to watch people do the work, but it's a matter of control, right? So when you're trying to protect a little patch of turf, right, you've gotten this promotion, you run this department, and, you know, you work really hard to get that. You want to keep it. You don't want anybody telling the boss something contrary to what you said, or somebody focusing on a project that you don't think, you know, is in the best interest of, of your work group. And so all of these things come into play. All of the things that make us human come into play in terms of not having that control in the interpersonal relationship. And I think that's really the hardest part. The second part, though, is really interesting. It's generational. We did research on this topic, and we found that when we talked to people about collaboration, their definitions basically fell into two camps. One camp is we collaborate And they define that by, we get together, we talk about an issue, and then we go to our office and we do the real heads down work of getting things done. The other group felt we get together, we collaborate, we create something together, we produce that something. And when we leave, we can go do other things because the work is done. Now, I will tell you, you probably guessed, the first group are those that are 45 and older, me included, right? That was how we view collaboration. The second group was born digital and they're very, very comfortable with working and producing group product. That's another issue that goes into this uh, whole combination of can we make remote work? The third thing is, you know, a lot of people, when they hear us talk, believe that we are starting a new workers movement, right? That we're like really ready to rebel against the man. That's not it at all. Our organization is 
is all about helping organizations negotiate a future of work that makes sense for both sides. So remote workers should know that if they do get the opportunity, the privilege uh, to work at home and achieve this level of work-life balance and enjoy the trust that's been put in them to, to work when they're not in a physical location and nobody's watching, that they can't go out and double dip, which we're finding now is a big and growing issue where people feel like they can work from home. Well, they can work for two companies, get two full-time jobs and get two salaries. What we're finding is they do a really bad job at both. They're almost always exposed and then they don't have a reference and they burned a lot of bridges. On top of that, it's just wrong and it hurts the movement of fairness and equity that we're trying to create. The conversation that's going on right now is the fact that our relationship with work is broken and we need to do something about it. So I think we have about a decade to renegotiate the future of work. What that means, though, is somebody's got to step in the middle of this zeitgeist conversation, give it a name and start to tell people, hey, if you're having this conversation, you know, in Germany or Singapore or South America or Asia, you know, come in and be a part of our effort. We want to hear what you have to say. Let's together craft what's acceptable and what we're no longer willing to accept. And let's create a future that instead of being a win-loss, a zero-sum game, which is how business is based today, let's create a, a future in which we're willing to win, win, which is what uh, our, we're all about. Dr. Jeff Kaplan, Chief Operating Officer and Founding Partner of Lift Innovate, online at liftinnovate.com. We connected via Zoom on Thursday, September 2nd. Still to come, the next era of manufacturing and rethinking how a business collects and processes payments. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa and its Family Business Center, presenting another event in the Virtual Breakfast Series on Friday, September 17th focusing on dividing family estates without all the family stress. To learn more or to register for next Friday's event, go to AdvanceIowa.com and click on the Family Business Center tab. Support for the Iowa Business Report also comes from the Iowa Soybean Association, driven to deliver for you and your farm. Join their growing family of more than 12,000 farmer members. Activate your farmer membership today at IASoybeans.com, powered by the Soybean Checkoff. We've talked previously on this program about the Manufacturing 4.0 initiative and how deeply involved Iowa's community colleges have been in that new effort. Hawkeye Community College will host the annual Cedar Valley Manufacturing Conference on Wednesday, October 6th, from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Van G. Miller Adult Learning Center in downtown Waterloo. The theme for this year's conference is Manufacturing 4.0, Connecting the Unconnected. They note that the Industrial Revolution began when machines replaced handworking, followed by electrical power that increased mass production. The next installment integrated computers and the Internet into the production processes, this latest expansion, Industry 4.0, is a chain of events, or interconnectedness, that allow for machines to sense something, collect information, interpret data, make decisions, and trigger actions all without any human interface. Hence the theme of connecting the unconnected. 
For more information or to register, visit hawkeyecollege.edu slash manufacturing. Coming up, helping small businesses with payments and keeping more of that income. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa. If business succession planning is on your mind, consider a worker co-op. The next free seminar on the topic is scheduled for this coming Thursday, September 16th. For more, go to AdvanceIowa.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report also comes from Iowa History Journal. The new September-October issue features a story on an Iowa native with a stellar military career, another who was an NFL star, and still another who became a Hollywood legend. Get your copy of Iowa's only popular magazine devoted exclusively to its fascinating history at Fairway, High V, and at iowahistoryjournal.com. In this week's business profile, you'll meet Austin McNabb of VizzyPay. It's spelled V-I-Z-Y-P-A-Y. In a short time, they've become a major national player in reinventing how small businesses process payments, so much so that they're soon moving into a new set of offices in Waukee. You may have seen their social media posts on the project. I spoke with Austin McNabb via Zoom on Thursday, September 9th. He was in a conference room at their future headquarters. Visi stands for to examine or review closely in Scottish. And my last name and my, my background is kind of Scottish. I'm a mixed puppy, if you would. So Visi, and then you add pay, which is the payment space. Uh, we decided to kind of put those together and create VisiPay. VisiPay is a payment processor. So what we have done is we enable small to mid-sized businesses. So our focus is not Chicago. Our focus is not San Francisco. Our focus is Deer River, Iowa. Fort Dodge, Atlantic, Iowa, you know, even Des Moines is technically small because we're not a metropolitan like Chicago, right? So our goal is to build technologies for small business owners that are simplistic, taking them from the old cash register days to actually to the next level without it being too robust, being complicated, or being too expensive, which most, most of them fall into that trap. We give them options to eliminate what they pay for processing through our technology, which most companies in our industry don't have the technology to do with that, that we do. And to top that off, our focus is opposite than most of the big companies in our business. They're focused on the large, big accounts. Well, we care less for those. We actually are fully focused on the small to mid-sized businesses throughout the United States. We consider it the backbone of America, and that's what we focus on. And we build all our technology, all our programs, all our sales representation across 50 states focuses just on that. And that's why I think we've done so well, and we've done it all in good old Iowa, so even better. For some of those other processors, I suppose they're going for volume, right? They'll go to one store that has a huge volume of sales, and that's how they make it work. You're going through longitudinal volume, if you will. You're trying to pick up all of this certain market. So how can you do it? What is distinctive about your business model, your technology that allows you to make that cost effective for a small business owner and yet also profitable for VisiPay? If you look at a lot of the, lot of the big payment processing companies in the United States, think guys like Square or Toast, these big guys. By the way, great technology. It's awesome for their clientele, but it's very robust, meaning that you have to spend a lots of money 
to build out that technology to be robust for the needs of the clientele they're going after. Well, with us, we don't need as much money as those guys do because we can build out technology at a smaller cost. Number one, we're doing it based out of Iowa. So the cost of living here is a lot different than California or Chicago or some of these big tech hubs, if you would, right? So our technology doesn't have to be that robust. Therefore, we don't have to charge as much. And that allows us to give it a cost-effective way to these small business owners when we build out the technology, plus the programs that we have help them eliminate their processing fees entirely. So a guy in Deer River, Iowa, that was paying $500 a month in processing, that individual, we can go in there and actually eliminate that entirely with our technology that we have created. And that actually helps out because that's a big P&L line item. And most businesses' P&L at the end of the year, it says credit card fees. You know what I mean? I mean, it's there. It's a percentage of their business. And it's anywhere between 2.8 to 4%. And if you go into smaller markets, not only are they the most taken advantage of because they don't know the difference, because they just know what they know. Oh, that sounds like a small rate. Cool. Let's sign up. Because, they just, because the auto repair shop in Deer River, Iowa, he doesn't know the difference because he's good at fixing cars, you know, and we're good at what we do. So he just believes what I'm saying. And that person is probably either taught to sell that way because they don't know any different or they just do it because they can. And we just are against that kind of mindset in our business. So we want to enable that owner to have options to eliminate those and provide them technology at a cost-effective price per month so they're not stuck between a rock and a hard place nor long-term contracts, right? So I think that's something that's very important for us to do and focus on for these small business owners because there's no voice for them, really. The voice for them is complaining to their current processor, which half the time, they don't care, but we do. I've been doing this for 18 years, right, uh, Jeff? So I've seen all the goods. I've seen all the bads. I know what to do, what not to do based on my experience. And I want to do it the right way. You know, our company is built on three whys. Why is company culture. That's why we're such a, I think that's why we do so well as a company. Transparency at every level. The people selling our product services, our clients and our employees. And thirdly, being the voice of small business owners. So we have a Look Local First initiative that focuses on giving back to the small business owner by buying from them. Our technology is built out for them. You know, we beat the drum of the small business owner, which their voice is stuck in the River, Iowa, while our voice can hit 50 states or further because we have that presence now in the payment space. You're talking about just an entirely different model that frankly helps us budget better as a new small business because the line item is consistent, right? Absolutely. Think about this. A lot of business owners, when they start their business, they're entrepreneurs, they're risk takers by trade because they can lose everything if they fail. And, and, and unfortunately, we've seen a lot of failure in my career in the business world, but we know that that's a risk they're taking. When they start their business, let's say the Mexican restaurant, they're thinking about, okay, how do we pay for employees? How do we pay for the light bill? How do we pay for the rent? How do we pay for the tortilla, the chips? All that stuff, and they kind of create their own pricing to make it worthwhile for them to do business. But what they always forget is credit card processing fees, which is between 3 to 4%, right? They always forget that because that's not something they're thinking of in their head, which is fine. They use less credit cards 10 years ago than they do today. You know, 18 years ago, they use a lot less credit cards than they do today, right? Credit cards now becoming a dominant force, which is over 90% of some of these businesses' transactions are credit cards. We help them get ahead of the problem. It takes a little extra work, but what we do is we work with them to include the processing fees into their pricing. I'll go back to the Mexican restaurant. You know, the burrito that you used to see on the menu used to be $10, right? Well, when I use cash, that restaurant gets $10. 
When I use my credit card, they do not get $10. They get $9.60 or $9.70, right? So they never get that $10. What we're trying to do is make sure for cash or credit, they get their $10. So we work with them included into the pricing. So they properly increase their prices, let's say $10.40. So if I walk in there and I use a credit card at the end of the day, we have a technology that isolates the increase that they did in the pricing and it drops that $10.40 to $10. So they get $10 for a credit card transaction. They also, at the same time, if I walk in and use cash, oh, look, you use cash. I'm going to give you a discount now, 4%. Now it's back to $10. So they get $10 for both credit and they get it for cash as well, right? Mm -hmm. And we enable them to utilize that technology by incorporating their inventory or their menus into our technology and it automatically does it increase for them so they're not thinking very much. And it also has the technology to apply the cash discount when there's cash being used. We eliminate the thought process for the waitresses or waiters, the owner, during this process. And at the end of the day, now they're always ahead of the game instead of behind the game. And I think now when they ever raise their prices because food gets high or this gets high, whatever, well, credit card processing is no longer their liability. It's mine. I have to pay to a cost that goes up twice a year. If that goes up, that's my problem now because we've already worked with them to increase it into their pricing. So the, the days of rate increases the days of extra annual fees and all that BS that happens in our business, it disappears because now it's my problem, not theirs. I'm not going to go ever back to them to raise the rates. There's no need to. We've already incorporated it into the pricing. And we've built all our technology to allow them to do it in a seamless manner for the cash discount portion and for the increase portion. And a lot of people are very open to it. A little extra work, but a little extra work to save themselves thousands or sometimes if they're bigger clients hundreds of thousands like in the des moines markets people could save six figures for some of the bigger locations locally which we have a lot of the bigger locations you know we understand that concept and that's where our technology we have diligently built out that separates ourselves from our competitors uh, they usually are using third parties or they're doing it in a different way we're doing it in a way that it's inside the pricing and i think that's very important now Austin McNabb of VisiPay, online at VisiPay.com, and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at VisiPay. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to TotallyIowa.com and clicking on the Radio Programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, some 19 now in all. Subscribe using your favorite podcast vendor to make sure you get notice of new episodes of this program, either our weekday edition or this weekly edition. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.